A quick hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Anika Jackson. Woo! I love it. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, we're going to be talking about integrated marketing strategies, but first, brand. Now, yeah. I'm hugely interested in the idea of integrated marketing strategies, and I'm going to ask you to define that. But I'm also incredibly interested in brand. So yeah. we're going to talk about how we can bring the two together. And that, for me, is hugely interesting. Nice. Uh, but before we go into all of that, uh, on Branded Search and Beyond with Jason Barnard, which is the podcast name, we always look at people's brand SERPs. And here we have yours. And I wanted to point out the filters at the top. When you search somebody's name, you get all. Then you get news. Uh, you get images, which is what we're seeing here. And you can see lots of different Anika Jacksons in the images. And then we've got videos where you're uh, very present. What I find with a lot of my guests is that. And then you've got these other filter pills like my professor. That's not you. That's another Anika Jackson. And what Google have done is added these filter pills across the top alongside images, maps, uh, videos, and news to allow the user to investigate the person mm -hmm. or the people behind the name, which is hugely interesting. And then I wanted to show Scott Terman, who's a client of ours. We've built him his knowledge panel. And these are the filter pills that they might well replace. But you've still got this idea of vertical results for a brand or a person, which is what can we show within a specific facet of that person? So multifacetedness, news, my professor would identify you from the other Nika Jackson. But then with Scott Terman, we could see his books and his videos. So I think brand SERPs, which immediately when I talk about it, people think that's going to be really simple. It's just the result for my name or my company name, becomes very complicated, very nuanced, very quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, how, how does that strike you, Anika? 100%. Um, I am also a professor, but I'm not the <laughs> professor, Anika Jackson, who's showing up when you look at that on Google. What I will say is, I mean, that's why I love brand. So I love that you are the brand SERP guy. Um, <laughs> everything I do starts with brand, no matter what marketing or PR strategies, it all always has to start with brand. And this day and age, personal brand is so much more important. I get clients, mm. I live in Los Angeles now. I've moved back here four years ago from Houston. I get calls almost every week from Houston potential clients because- right they know who I am and they know my brand when I lived there. Mm. So, and, yeah. And how important is that is the length of time because that's what we're finding at CaliCube is we're getting clients coming to us and saying, well, I've been watching your stuff and looking at what you do for a year. Yeah. How yeah. long-term is all of this marketing, especially B2B? It all, it's forever. It really is. Your brand is the one thing that you can hold on to for your entire life. I've lived in, you know, I started my marketing career in Kansas City, Chicago, then I moved to Chicago, then Los Angeles, San Francisco, back in LA, oh. Houston, in LA for the third time, hopefully the final, final big move now. But in each of those cities, I did slightly different work in marketing, branding, and PR. Right. I worked in slightly different industries, but I still know people from all of those places. And those relationships have helped me build my brand and create that thought leadership and authenticity that people see and go, okay, she's established, I know who she is, I know that I can trust her to work for my brand. Right, and that thought leadership is hugely important. Uh, do you find that that's the main thing that people take on board before they do business with you?
You are listening to Branded Search and Beyond with Jason Barnard. Now, back to the show. Um, yeah, I th they want to know that they can trust the person that they're doing business with. And one of the biggest ways to do that is thought leadership. And um, for me, that has come a lot through my podcast, Your Brand Amplified, right? And building yeah. that up. And that has also hugely helped me with my SEO. I think I've talked to you about this before. I could not get the .com for your brand amplified. Mm. Even yeah. though I have a registered trademark in the US, I have had the podcast for about two and a half years. And then the person who had it, I was populating all of the search results. And so they finally gave up the URL and I was able to get it, which is right. huge for my brand, right? So yeah. brand really is everything and building up your brand and part of that is the SEO, part of that is the marketing, the PR, all of those strategies together. And yeah, and people default to .com. So if you say your brand amplified, people will think, oh, your brand amplified.com. We had the same thing with CaliCube. Uh, and I talked to Tatiana right at the beginning of this year, and she was saying, well, not buying that .com, even at a premium rate, is a mistake. Yeah. And it will cost you more to rebrand further down the line than it will to buy the domain in the first place. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Brilliant. So my first question then is, can you um, define integrated marketing strategies for us? Sure. So my favorite way to describe integrated marketing is the PESO model, um, mm -hmm. which you can, actually is a certification you can get. It's paid, earned, shared, and owned. So these are oh. all the different channels, right? Paid. So is that paid search, paid advertising? Earned. Earned media is when other people are saying that you have the authority that you're trying to say that you have. So that would be a lot of the PR side of things. Are you getting earned media? Are you getting articles written about you and your products or services? Are you getting quoted in roundups or it as, as an expert in the field for an article? Shared are the channels that um, you don't own like our social media channels, right? We right. all populate a lot of content on social, whether it's LinkedIn, Meta, you know, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, uh, Lemonade, Twitter, whatever it is, we don't own those channels. So no. you can po post whatever you want, but if they go away, you don't have any rights to that content anymore. And then right. owned is, and there are, there is some overlap here, right? And then owned is your website. It's mm -hmm. all of your IP, your website, your brand, your newsletter, your email list, your blog. And so integrated marketing is really how do you take your brand message and ethos and populate it in a cohesive way across all of these channels, all of these different strategies. So for instance, if you have a really great article in the Washington Post or you're in a roundup in the Washington Post, mm -hmm. they have huge domain authority. They're recognized, huge authority, huge publication. And so right. you take that earned article, you would want to link it on your website, on your own channels. You'd want to share it out on your, on your own channels, for instance, in your newsletter. You'd also want to share it on your social media channels. Right. And you may even want to put some money into boosting that or using it as part of an ad campaign. Look at what Washington Post is saying about us. This is why you should do business with us. Mm -hmm. Right. No, and I love uh, peso, and I've never heard that term before, which shows that I'm not doing my job properly. <laughs> but definitely at CaliCube with branded search and brand SERPs in particular, yeah. the peso is hugely important. I never thought about breaking it down like that because we say 
first party, second party, third party, mm -hmm. which would be the ESO, actually, OSE, in fact. Mm. Um, and so we do differentiate between the owned and the shared. Uh, mm -hmm. We just call it second uh, second degree websites. I can't remember what second. Oh, nailed. Uh, oh dear, excuse me. I just said a rude word in French. I've been <laughs> speaking French all day, so I'm now oh. lost in French. Um, second party websites, excuse me, my brain died. Uh, but we could actually talk very much more about owned and shared and earned. Yeah. But paid, we'd only really be looking at, at, at Google. To what extent do you use paid in an integrated marketing strategy? And to what extent is Google important? Google is highly important. But I will caveat that and say that what we're seeing is TikTok is right. very highly important. TikTok was, is the number one search engine for Gen Z. Now, we're finding it's the number one search engine over Google for millennials as well. So there are two full generations that are looking mm. at TikTok. So instead of going, I will say, I'm of the generation that if I'm looking for an explainer video, I would Google and I would go to YouTube first, right? But people who are just a few years younger than me, <laughs> generally, generationally, they don't do that. They're going to TikTok right. first and looking for explainer videos on TikTok and looking for search, which is why you now see... And I think we might have had this discussion before. You, we start seeing TikTok videos populated on Google because they don't want to lose out on that search either. We're seeing videos right. become a more important search strategy than just um, other, you know, I've seen search move towards video search rather than yeah, a, static. A, a, are you seeing that move faster and faster in oh, that yeah. Google is integrating more and more video and you think that's going to continue to happen, that video is going to become the format? I, I do. I do. I, we're seeing some changes with um, with Instagram a little bit where reels I'm hearing are not going to be quite as important. So I, I don't know enough about that to talk about mm. it eloquently on this call. Um, but yeah, I do think still video is really important. Anything that people can listen to or watch while they're doing other things um, because our time is short and yeah. it, it keeps getting shorter. Um, and part of that, so that's where I think Part of the strategy is, yes, I think Google advertising is still really, really relevant. I see it in my work with workforce development education every day is we mm. have to be able to have ads on Google. We also have to have ads on other platforms. And if somebody's not ready for that, we're building, doing a brand awareness campaign before we start implementing these other marketing strategies. Because as you know, it starts with brand. Right. And if you don't have brand awareness... You can do a campaign all day long, but it's not going to get you clicks. It's not going to get you results. It's not going to, if people don't know who you are, they're not going to be interested in your product or, or service. So um, right. for brand awareness campaigns, you might want to start doing some boosting of posts or like a little advertising campaign just so that mm. your brand is getting out there. Um, and so. And so from that perception, you, you were saying boost your posts, for example, on Facebook or maybe on Twitter. To what extent does that work as a branding strategy? If I just boost my post to get my brand name in front of somebody without having any real call to action? Um, well, to get those calls to action, I think you have to have the awareness first. So the call the call to action might just be for them to check out your right. socials, to put a like or comment or start following you. So it's a little you know more obsequious. And that's where you want to make sure that you still have a good hashtag strategy your strategy, all of those other things play into that. But yes, building that brand awareness, even if it's not a, hey, check out our website or 
here is the issue we're solving for you. If it's just, here's something you might like. I mean, I know that I fall, I've, I've started falling into this where I'll start looking at, I look at Facebook a lot more than I used to because of the reels. And it, they're serving me up things they might think I'm interested in. I'm like, oh, I am kind of interested. And then I start saving them. And then it starts populating more of that. So I see myself as a consumer buying into mm. these strategies where I'm still just getting to know these brands. I'm not even purchasing yet. I'm not ready to purchase. But I want to know more about them. What are other people saying about them? How are they presenting their brand online? You know. So then when I right. do search them on Google and, and go to their website, then I am ready to purchase. Right. Okay. I mean, I've been talking a lot about funnels in the last week mm -hmm. or so for various reasons. Would it would it be fair to say P and E are at the top of the funnel, S is going to be the middle of the funnel, and O is the bottom of the funnel, or is that oversimplifying it? I'm sure it is. Mm. Yeah. I well, no. I see uh, when I'm. I would say it's oversimplifying, but I'm thinking through the different strategies and I would say that's a pretty fair assessment. Sorry, only from a branding perspective. Right. In the terms of what I'm going to be doing is communicating with people who don't know my brand yeah. on earned or on paid. Yeah. Communicating with people about my brand who know my brand a little bit on shared and mm -hmm. then once they're really comfortable with that brand, I get them on the owned. I mean, exactly. I just thought that up um, yeah. and I don't know if it's fair. So it, it might be a rubbish theory. No, I think it's fair because you have to create that brand awareness. Then you get people to start interacting with your brand through your shared and your social channels. Then you're able to get them when they're searching for something else on Google, right? Then mm -hmm. your ads start popping. I mean, that still goes to the paid. Your ads start popping up, but then they actually click through. And then yeah. you can capture their email address, hopefully. And then you start putting them into your funnel of serving them emails, serving them content, you know, interacting right. with them. Yeah. Brilliant. And, and when we look at earned, in terms of branding, obviously, I want earned media from from companies that would or media platforms that would then send traffic to me of people who are already interested in my products. But if I'm just looking for branding, getting brand awareness out there, what's a great strategy for earned media? Mm. Uh, podcasting <laughs> is, a, is a fantastic strategy these days. Um, that That's one of the best ones. I love the fact that it's not only new relationships that you're building with people who might give you business. That, you know, like we don't have serve the same, the we don't serve our customers in the same exact way. So I might be able to say, Jason, I have some people that really need to work with you. And then mm. when they're ready, then they can come work with me on, on this side of things, and they'll work with you on this side of things, right? right? I love the relationships I've developed. I love the fact that it's reaching two audiences um, and that it's also then I put it on my website, I share it my social, so it's showing me as an authority because somebody else has welcomed me to their platform and vice versa. Right. So, and, and podcasting is very much I'm vouching for you and you're vouching for me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then you turn it into blog posts. You mm -hmm. have captions. You can have content for days, weeks, months, you know, I've seen people repurpose content seven, 10 times over. So podcasting is a big one. I also think people get really hung up on wanting to be in fortune or Forbes or Inc. Yeah. or the big publication. Really hung up. Yeah. And same thing with podcasts, but I argue that you want to reach the right people at the right time. And those people, it's kind of like with social media influencers. A lot of people are moving towards micro influencers because they know right. that those micro influencers get more engagement and they have a more invested audience. It might be smaller, but they're deeply invested in what that person has to say. Same thing with the smaller podcasts, smaller publications. Hmm.
don't say no to opportunities. Don't turn up your nose because you think they're too small because chances are that person at one publication is gonna move to another one and they're gonna mm. remember you and they're gonna say, oh, now I can write about you in this other publication or I can have you on this radio show or now I'm a news anchor and I'm going to right. do an interview with you. So you just don't know. So it always, like I say, say yes, start. It's kind of like a child, right? You learn, usually you learn to crawl and then you learn to walk, and then you learn to run. I, I like to take that same um, example with PR and with getting that earned media. So say yes. And also doing platforms that you might not mm. have thought to say yes to helps you build that confidence in delivering your message. Right. So, I mean, I hear what I hear is long term is that you, if you have a relationship today, it might not pay off until a year down the line or two yeah. years down the line and you never really know how it's going to pay off yeah so and that's also getting your brand out there in general is you get your brand in front of the right audience and you get it in front of that audience over time you become a thought leader and we found that the agencies who work with calicu pro who use the calicu pro platform for their clients mm -hmm. have all said we've watched your podcast we've read your book we've followed you for a year now we're convinced that this is the way to, to move forwards. And it's been a, I mean, a year seems like a long time. How do you find companies deal with that frustration of saying, well, I can't wait a year? It's not, it, it's just like SEO. It's all, it's a long game. If you're in this, mm. you should be in this for longevity, right? I mean, it's, we see a lot of that in so many businesses. M most businesses go out of business within the first year or two years. Yeah. Uh, most podcasters stop podcasting after 20 episodes. So in everything, it's all about, are you willing to, are, are, is this really what you're passionate about? Is this really what you want to be doing? And if it is, you need to invest your time. I mean, I have not lived in Houston for four years. Mm -hmm. And I just signed a client from Houston yesterday for PR services because right. of my relationship with them when I did live there. But that, that's a brilliant example, and I love that, because you're saying, well, I lived in this place four years ago, so I know that this contact and this, this new client came from the work I did four years ago. So I'm saying a year, and in fact, you're saying even four years down the line. Yeah. So everything we're doing today could potentially pay off in four years' time, and all I've got to do is hang on. Yeah, and it's not for everybody, <laughs> right? Not, yeah. um and that's not to say that's every client, but it's also what I've done in the last four years and they've been able to watch. And mm. when they started a new business and decided they needed to go national with their work, I was one of the first people they thought of. And they did interview other people as well, to be fair. Right. And then finally said, okay, yes, you know what? I know that you'll, I know that you know how to rep represent me. I know that you know how to take care of me and my brand there. So they're entrusting me with this relationship. And my hope is this will be a very long-term relationship. Right. I will get them the results and I will take good care of them. Um, in the world of PR, we also see, to your point, sometimes a journalist isn't ready to write about your client right now, six mm. months down the road, a year, or even an anniversary. Um, there's a lot of, you know, if it's an anniversary of a major event, to tra whether it's a tragedy or the pandemic, there are still experts on that anniversary that they'll want to go back to and talk to. And so they keep... The journalists will keep those people in their pocket and they'll come back to you and say, hey, it's uh, George Floyd's an the anniversary of his murder. Does your expert, you know, can they come on and talk about this? Right. Um, I mean, I I've had that happen. And even if I'm not working with the person anymore, 
I'm still going to do my job because I was mm. representing them when I was promoting them to this journalist. Um, and so I'll still pass that on and make sure that they get what they need. And that's also helps me have a better relationship with the journalist and this person who was my client, who could become my client again, or who could say, hey, I know the right person yeah. for you and introduce me to new people. So word of mouth is huge. And huge. The, the other question is, how do you stay top of mind for a journalist? Don't, won't they have forgotten the person by the time it gets to the six month mark and the news came up? If it's um, if it's an expert that is truly an expert, no, they they will keep a list of those people. Mm. They'll keep the emails in, a, in special folders. The other thing that is a really easy strategy for anybody to implement is think about the publications you really want to be in. Follow the journalists who are writing the articles that pertain to your industry. Follow them on Twitter. Follow them on Instagram. Whatever social media. If they have a Substack, because a lot of journalists have Substacks right. now, they talk about the process what kind of experts they're looking for for their articles. A lot of those substacks are free, right? So mm -hmm. it just is a matter of taking the time to read through them. And if you're following them on social media and they're talking about something in your industry, comment, give a yeah. like, give a retweet, show them some love. Don't overpower, don't go in there right away with your pitch, but just start cultivating a relationship and showing that you are reading what they're writing and that you're understanding it and it's pertaining to you. And then that way, when you do pitch, you said, oh, I, I saw that you wrote about this a few weeks ago. If you're doing a follow-up article, here's why I think that mm. my company might be a good fit or my, my CEO or myself or whoever it is. Um, so that it's a soft pitch. It's not a hard pitch, but you've mm -hmm. built up a little bit of a rapport. And and that building up of the rapport, I mean, in, in the uh, brand search courses i talk about this and say you don't need to email them or message them directly you just need to pop up in front of them from time to time over a short period of time and they end up recognizing you and then when you do contact them directly they already have an idea of whom you might be even without having immediately speak spoken to you yeah exactly right and what i also hear from all of what you said is consistency yes. is consistency <laughs> over a long period of time and in shared media that's mm -hmm. huge, isn't it? How, how do you maintain over time the shared media strategy? Because it's such a huge effort and it's difficult to see where it pays back. It, it really is. And it's always changing. Um, I mean, and, and even the way, so I think to your point about consistency, I've made tweaks to my social channels over time that some have been positive, some have been negative. And now mm -hmm. I'm trying to rebuild because it was about me and more personal and about my businesses in Houston, which were much more social and then I changed it to my business when I moved to LA. And then I was like, no, I need to have my own identity again. And so it's it's a hard road to get back because the people who are following me weren't necessarily following me to get PR tips every day, right? They were mm -hmm. following me because of the other work I was doing or because I was doing fashion stuff or whatever, whatever it might be. And so trying to rebuild and regain the trust with my audience is, is not an easy thing. But then as you said, when we all have a million different things and we know the algorithms are changing every yeah. day, we are still trying to figure out what content is going to be delivered to the right people at the right time. Right. Yeah. And, and that's crucial to everything you're talking about is making sure you find the right people at the right time. And on social media, sometimes you see uh, people or companies with huge followings and you see very little interaction with their content. Um, that isn't the right people and it isn't the right time. Exactly. So they're hugely wasting their time. Yeah, it's it's still important to have a presence to at least, even if you're not going to be, I, I don't recommend being on every channel. 
um, mm-hmm. you know, or concentrating on every channel, especially if you're a newer business, but at least have the same names reserved on every channel. Mm-hmm. So I know uh, Lemonade is one of the newer ones that people are seeing as a cross between TikTok and Pinterest. It's not fully, it's not very robust, but I'm still telling everybody, go on there and at least reserve your name. Because right. we want, again, going back to brand SERP, you want to make sure. Oh, we've lost Anika. So we're talking about um, social media. Ah, we sorry, we lost you for a moment. We were talking um, about reserving your name to make sure that for the brand SERP, if it does become a huge platform, the name of the platform was Lemonade, you said? Um, yeah, it's the word lemon and then number eight. Oh, Lemonade. Sorry, lemonade. I misheard. Yeah. So do you think that's something that's going to break through and become important or is it? Possibly. It's something to look at. Um, I, I've seen more people go to that. I, I know Be Real was another social channel people thought was going to get big for a little bit. But I think people are now saying Lemonade might be the one. Um, mm. So I still think it's, you know, at least go on and reserve your name because you don't want somebody else to be able to use your name on channels. Yeah. And you know, lose your brand authority. So yeah, it, it's cover cover the brand name, cover the brand space because you need it as people come down the funnel, whatever the platform is. And if yeah. we end up with owned, then in terms of presenting my brand on owned uh, properties, which would be my website, but is it just my website? So two questions, is it just mm-hmm. my website? Question two is how do I present my brand assuming people are somewhere near the bottom of the funnel? Yeah, your website, your email lists, Right. Yeah. I mean, both of those. Um, And you have to have brand congruency. So you make Mm -hmm. sure, you know, we know that there are different customer personas that you're trying to reach to for most brands. And you know that you might speak to each of those in a slightly different way, but the Mm -hmm. message should still be congruent enough that whether people are going to see you in an article that you're, that's about you, an interview, a podcast interview, um, your blog posts, your website, your social channels, it should still look like one cohesive brand. It should still look like they, they right. should be able to trust you no matter what they're looking at and trust that it's the same person showing up. Right, which is a huge point in terms of what we're doing right now at CaliCube is trying to shift our presentation to the agencies on CaliCube Pro for the platform yeah. and on the website to the done-for-you clients where we build knowledge panels for our clients and we manage their digital ecosystem, and their digital strategy. The message needs to be precise enough for the person that we're addressing, but similar enough so that it makes sense if they see both. Yes, exactly. Which is a huge challenge. How do you manage to do that, A, across Mm. all your personas, and B, all the way up the peso? Well, um, that's a really good question. And something I think even as marketers, we're always redefining and tweaking, uh, right? Because we're looking at, okay, actually, the audience I thought I wanted to reach is not quite yeah. the audience I wanted to reach. <laughs> so, I, I'm, so, I'm the worst at that. And my team <laughs> at CaliCube are now saying, you have to just decide, or we have to decide what is the message. Because I'm constantly thinking, well, we could tweak it a bit here, we could change it here. But I think we have to draw a line in the sand for ourselves and yeah. say, this is what we're saying. This exactly. is who we're saying it to. And then apply up the channel, the peso, your peso pile, as it would be. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my, my kind of question is, how, what are, what's a good strategy for us internally to make sure that we're being consistent once we've made our decision? Well, I always love data analysis. I always love a good competitive analysis, a SWOT mm-hmm. analysis. There are time 
tested, right? So looking at on all of your channels, what's the message that you're putting out? Is your bio the same? Are all the mm -hmm. links working? Are all the links correct? Are they, when somebody goes to one of those links, is it sharing the right message? Is it sharing, are they gonna see the same thing? Um, so I think that's really important. Just making sure that your brand is consistent. Again, just, I mean, that's the number one thing you can do across all of these channels. Um, and even if you tweak it, okay, make sure you put all those tweaks into every other channel. When you're looking at your competitors, wow, yeah. what are they doing better than you? Whether mm. it's posting strategy, um, you know, I always like, even for blog posts, whether it's blog posts, social media, um, I love content pillars and content calendars. So, you know, how are you sharing information? How are you educating your audience on who you are, on your brand, on what you do? How are you mm -hmm. showing that you're solving an issue for them? Are you sharing the good news, the case studies, the testimonials that say right. that, yes, you are really doing this the way that you say you're doing it? Brilliant. And, and actually, the, the question that I asked, well, the answer to the question that I asked <laughs> is actually exactly what we do at CaliQ Pro. And I didn't think about it when I asked the question. But oh, it is saying, <laughs> if, if I tweak my brand message, I need to make it consistent across O, S, E, and P. Mm. The, the, the paid, the, the, yep. the earned, the, the social shared, and mm -hmm. the owned. I think that's right. Uh, and CaliQ Pro collects that and maintains it and maintains a list of it so that the day I need to do it, I can just click on the links and go in and correct it. And if you don't maintain a list of all of these sources that you have in the P, E, S, and O, you have a, a huge job ahead of you, which is lovely. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I didn't realize I was actually pitching my own product when I asked that There question. you are. <laughs> and we're coming towards the end. It was an absolutely delightful episode. Thank you. You can answer one or both of these questions. How can integrated marketing strategies help with branded search? Or how does branded search help with integrated marketing strategies? Oh, um, I feel like we touched a lot on this. Um, yeah. How does can integrated marketing strategies maybe, help maybe with branded search? Maybe you can or bring it all together in, in, in a conclusion. Yeah. Absolutely. Integrated marketing strategies and branded search, how do they fit together? So integrated marketing strategies help you create a more cohesive branded search strategy when you take all of the different things that you're doing for marketing. So for instance, my podcast, Your Brand Amplified, right? I started mm -hmm. the podcast. I have the website. I have the podcast. I'm on other people's podcasts. Your Brand Amplified is being amplified across yeah. my social channels on my website with all the episodes. Um, I'm not doing any paid advertising right now, but if, mm -hmm. if I were... Right, it would be on that. I put it in my newsletter. I share out the episodes that I'm on for other people in my newsletter. Right. And then that has helped me with branded search because it actually helped me get the URL for my company. It helped me get the .com that I couldn't get because people kept, I, I kept coming up on the branded search. Right. So, so that, I mean, they're part and parcel. You have to have both. You start with brand, you do all these other strategies, and then that helps create better search for you. Brilliant. I love it. Thank you very much. Uh, paid, Thank you. earned, shared, and owned. I'm going to use that as a distinction now for the brand SERPs that I talk about. Awesome. Thank you so much, Anika. That was absolutely brilliant. Uh, we're now going to introduce next week. And next week is going to be Amanda Milligan talking about improve your brand authority with newsworthy content. She is 
absolutely brilliant, mm -hmm. super interesting, super smart, super delightful, and full of helpful information. So please do join us. Could you pass the baton, Anika? Yes, passing it on to Amanda Milligan. She really is brilliant, and her topic is super important. So I definitely think and recommend that you should tune in for that episode. Amanda's Thank fantastic. You. <laughs> Thank you so much. Now you get the outro song. A quick Ooh. goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Anika. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. This has been delightful. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. Bye-bye. CaliCube. It's all about your brand, Serp.